We're happy to have this episode sponsored by Real Mushrooms. You probably already know about some of the great benefits of adding mushrooms to your diet, like better sleep, greater mental clarity, and a stronger immune system, but not all mushroom products are equal. Real Mushrooms is the real deal. Many mushroom companies harvest the mushroom and the grain it's growing on. Real Mushrooms products contain no grains or starch fillers. They're organic, cultivated naturally, and third-party verified for beta-glucans, the compound that makes them so valuable as a supplement. They even have a science and medical team of doctors who ensure that Real Mushrooms meets the highest standards. What I personally love is how informative their website is. Have questions about what mushroom is right for you? They have a robust blog with articles ranging from women's health to what mushrooms are most beneficial to your pet. Want to boost your immune system? Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order. Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation-based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I've got Carla Reynaud with me today. Carla is a licensed acupuncturist and herbalist, actually in several states over on the East Coast. And due to some childhood eczema, she's developed this real passion about dermatology. And through her personal experience, she's come to understand quite a bit about it, both from the inside and from the point of view of being a professional with it. And after learning about Chinese medicine, she managed to cure that eczema. In addition, Carla's got a background in Chinese language and literature, and she did that before earning her degree in Chinese medicine. She's also done quite a bit of study of facial rejuvenation and cosmetic acupuncture, which will be part of our conversation today. So, Carla, welcome to the show. Thanks. Nice to be here. Yeah, good to have you. So... I was really struck a little while back when I came across, I don't know, it was an email or something, and you were talking about anti-aging. Aha. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I see a lot of people talking about, you know, facelifts or facial rejuvenation, that kind of thing, but you were talking about anti-aging, and that really caught my attention because it just seems to have such a broader application. Yeah, and I, I mean, I use the term anti-aging because most that's the term people would recognize what I'm talking about, but I, I prefer to think of it as aging gracefully so that you're in your best health as well as, you know, looking the best you can, not just for your age, but for who you are. And um, working from the inside as well as the outside to get people healthy and looking a little more like their younger selves when they were younger and healthier. Mm-hmm. I see a fair amount of skin issues. In fact, I think a lot of us, acu- uh, well, herbalists in particular, see skin issues. And so often people think that, oh, it's a skin problem. It's something on the surface. I suspect you have a different point of view. Yes, yeah. I mean, skin is just a manifestation of what's happening inside the body. So it's 
something we see a lot in Chinese medicine with the relationships between the lungs and the skin and the large intestine functions of the body. But even in Western medicine, you know, they understand that, you know, some internal causes, um, allergies or inflammation or whatever processes are going on inside actually cause your skin diseases. You know, psoriasis is an autoimmune disease and other skin diseases come from different contact allergies or reactions. So, I mean, we can treat things topically even with Chinese herbs, lotions and creams and washes, but we almost always use internal herbs for people to take to fix you from the inside out. You mentioned the lung as being involved in skin issues. This is kind of a curious point of view from, I suspect, our listeners' perspective. Can you talk to us a little bit more about how the lung is involved with the skin from the Chinese medicine point of view? Sure. Really, the lungs as an organ that relates to the outside through your breathing and your sense of smell controls the skin, which is the largest organ on your outside. And the skin isn't just a covering, it's a, it's a real organ, and it really has the sensory nerves. You know, it's your contact to the outside world and allows you to interact with it in the same way the lungs do. And they're direct contact. So your skin actually absorbs what you put on it. It decides when you breathe in things and you smell the odors or it smells gross to you. Your skin actually absorbs. So they even use you know medicated patches in Western medicine to absorb medicine through your skin. Right, a lot of pain patches are given through the skin. Yeah, even Chinese herbal pain patches for the muscles and joints underneath are given through the skin. So you really absorb through the skin, and in that sense, it, it makes sense that they, their function is related. In Chinese medicine, they saw that you know a thousand years ago because it. It's just what happens. And feel that in Chinese medicine that you would need to treat the lungs as the underlying organ when there are skin problems. For the most part, other organs are involved with different aspects of things. But overall, the lungs and the skin have a strong relationship. Mm -hmm. Now, I suspect you've noticed with eczema that it's often connected with asthma. Yes. That's a strong relationship where you, we see the lung and the skin relationship. And it makes sense, even in, in you know, Western medicine, because I had to study a lot of that as well, that, that a, what's called an atopic person is someone who has allergies, asthma, and eczema. And you may only get two or all three of those, but people are pretty much born that way. And mm -hmm. so in Chinese medicine, we would think of that as someone who has a weak lung constitution, as part of their heredity and, you know, whatever happened to them when they were being formed in the womb that, you know, you have a weakness in that area. So you easily get asthma and coughing disorders and skin problems like eczema and maybe even food allergies as well as some, you know, pollen and dust mites and cat dog allergies. Right. It seems like, Everyone has some sort of a constitutional aspect. There's some organ system that generally is not quite as strong as the other ones. Yes, yeah. And that's a big part of Chinese medicine, especially classic Chinese medicine, to understand 
you know, what is that person's basic underlying pattern or, or weakness that you can help them to strengthen so that they can have a more normal function and have you know, fewer problems happen over their lifetime. Does this constitutional idea, uh, how do I say it, does this constitutional idea fall into the work that you do with the anti-aging? Yeah, it, it really does, because you, you start to see patterns if you've seen enough people that you recognize it. Oh, you know, this person has more sagging, and that could be related to weak muscles in the spleen. Or this person has, you know, early graying or early hair loss and, you know, problems with the bone loss on the face and then the muscles can't hang off it properly. That's more related to what we would think of as the kidney constitution. You know, and then if someone has a lot of broken capillaries and blood vessels and flushing and redness on their face, that would involve the heart a little bit more. So each, you know, each organ system is how we evaluate even for something surface like face acupuncture to improve the face appearance. Mm -hmm. So it's basically a lot of the symptoms that people would have are completely diagnostic as to what is that weak organ system. Yeah, you sort of see a, a constellation or a pattern of certain symptoms that happen together and that clues you in to which function area in the body because we're, we're talking about organ systems but obviously these are metaphors for areas of function we're not just talking about the anatomical organs like western medicine that new chinese medicine is such a functional medicine and even before they could see things with microscopes or cat scans or x-rays i mean they still understood how the body functions but you just observe the body and see how it goes wrong and what patterns of things tend to happen together and, you know, human body hasn't changed all that much in 2,000 years. So a lot of it is still the same. Mm -hmm. You know, we might have a few modern diseases and things that happen from bad food or pollution that didn't used to happen. But, you know, it still applies. Yeah, I remember one of my teachers when I was in school reminded us that the organ systems, they're kind of a code word for a set of functions, not so much the meat in the body, although it does include that as well, but more set of functions as opposed to, you know, these really specific things that we think of in Western medicine. Yeah, yeah. It's all about getting the person back to normal functioning, which is why Chinese medicine is considered, you know, a holistic function. Is I don't want to just give you something that masks your symptoms. I really want to help you get better and function again. And your body really wants to be in homeostasis balance and, and have a normal function and react to things normally. But sometimes for whatever reason, you, know, you get out of whack a little and then you need a nudge to get back to normal functioning. And that's what we're able to do with the acupuncture and the herbs and the other treatments we do is then nudge someone back to getting their body learn how to function like it used to or like it should. Yeah. See, I usually think of symptoms as being the nudge, you know? You catch your <laughs> attention, and then now you got to go do something to get rid of the nudge. Yeah, that's true. The symptoms nudge the patient to come in for treatment, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about the use of acupuncture 
for um, improving the looks of the face? And is there benefit beyond, you know, maybe looking 10 years younger? Yeah, you really aren't going to look younger unless we treat you from the inside out. So even though we do put some needles in the face to specifically work on the muscles of expression and the actual wrinkle lines, we always put needles in the body based on what we see as your underlying pattern that we talked about, the different organs, the constitutional aspect, or maybe other health problems someone has. So a lot of times I get people, it's, oh, they're not sleeping well, they're having hot flashes, and they have digestive problems. We have to work on that at the same time. But then we can also work with more needles on the face to directly affect the face more. So we, you know, there's different ways to do it because I've studied with some teachers with really different methods. And some people put very few needles in the face and focus on helping the muscles of expression that cause the wrinkles or that cause the creases. And then others use tiny, tiny little needles that I have to put in with a tweezer that go right into the wrinkles to physically plump them up because that's what acupuncture can do. So there's really different ways of doing it. And, you know, who you see will depend on what type you get as a patient. But so it's, it's just something to ask about and you see how well you tolerate it. But, you know, I have patients who fall asleep while I'm putting the tiny little needles in their wrinkles. So once you're relaxed with the body acupuncture, the face acupuncture is pretty easy. Yeah. So it's something that it's nice for people to experience that because you get a regular treatment and you get the extra facial treatment. Right. So these little tiny needles, are these like those Japanese interdermal needles? They are. Yeah, so there's no big handle on them because I don't want that flopping around on people's face, and then I can't get several of them in one long wrinkle line if you've got the handle sticking up in the way. So it's a really tiny needle, six millimeters long, and then it has a little a rounded on one end, and I can grab that with the tweezers and then just gently insert the needle right into the creases and wrinkle lines. Mm-hmm. And that actually, the physical stimulus of the needle will cause a plumping up. Yeah, there's been research that shows acupuncture stimulates collagen formation. It does. And that's something that um, dermatologists and estheticians in some states can use these little microneedle derma rollers that you run across the whole face or longer ones on the body to help us stretch marks and things, but you can actually use those, the same principle as acupuncture needles. You know, the, the needle stimulates through various processes the collagen to reform and form in a thicker layer, and then it plumps up your skin. Right. Are these derma rollers uncomfortable? The ones with the shortest needles that help the collagen production, most people can tolerate them pretty well. If you're doing the longer ones, you can't use them as often, and those have to be done by a practitioner in a healthcare office, just due to, you know, infection risk with the slightly longer needles that, uh, and we're still talking about, you know, 0.25 millimeter versus one millimeter. (laughs) They're still pretty small, Mm -hmm. but you can only do those once every two weeks. Now, these smaller derma rollers, are are they single use? You can reuse them 
if you clean them appropriately and put alcohol on them. So these are the ones that patients are legally allowed to use at home. Ah, so you could do it on yourself. Yeah, the shortest ones that they can have patients take it home and use it on themselves. But you have to know how to do it properly and how to keep it clean properly. So it's something, you know, that I have to train patients in the office or, you know, the dermatologist or the esthetician will train the patients how to use it. But it's the same principle and that it really stimulates collagen and it improves the circulation in the skin too. So people notice their skin will sort of glow as well as being a little plumper and that helps the wrinkles. Mm -hmm. So if somebody was using one of these for use at home derma rollers, you were talking about muscles of expression. So are there specific areas of the face that you would have people work on? No, generally those rollers are used on the whole face because when you're doing the ones at that length of needle, it's only barely getting through the outer layer of the skin, the epidermis, into the dermis where it can stimulate the collagen production. So you're not getting down to the level where you can treat the muscles of expression. You have to do acupuncture to affect the muscles of expression. Right. Kids, don't try that at home. Go see a pro. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What about, you were talking about the longer needles on the derma rollers being a little uncomfortable. What about acupuncture in general on the face? I I suspect a number of our listeners are thinking about this and squeaming a little bit. Thinking about needles in my face. Oh, yeah. My God. Right? Yeah. um, Really, it's not more sensitive than other places in the body. There are points on the foot that could be more sensitive to some people than points on the face. And um, it's, it really isn't any different. I mean, I have patients who get needles in their face for other conditions, not co- even cosmetic acupuncture, and they say it's just like the rest of them. It really isn't, doesn't hurt anymore. Carla, I'm curious. Botox is a really popular treatment these days. Well, temporary treatment, right? It works for a few months. Lots of women get Botox. In fact, they have, they have Botox and Tupperware parties these days, right? It's all over the place. How does the work that you do with working internally and working externally with the needles compare with the results of Botox? Well, yeah, Botox. Boy, um, I know I certainly wouldn't want to inject an actual toxin in myself. Yeah, like neurotoxin. Yeah, it's a neurotoxin. And they say it doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier, but, you know, I, I just... Yeah, I wouldn't go there, but people do. And um, Botox, you see fairly quick results, and but it freezes things. So you don't have your n- normal expression, and they can do it better now so you don't look quite such a frozen face like before. But you have to keep doing it. You know, it lasts, and then you have to get it again three, four months later or however long it is now. And then it's not really affecting your internal health at all. It's not improving anything. It's just forcing your muscles to be sort of paralyzed so they, you know, stop where the nerves and muscles connect so that you can't move those muscles through your normal nerve signals where you would try to move. So we're not doing anything as obvious and sudden as that with the facial acupuncture. It happens gradually over time. It's a series of treatments, and each time we're giving your body the message, you know, improve the circulation, plump up this area, help this muscle of expression, whether it needs to contract more because it's bagging or stretched out, 
or maybe it's a muscle that contracts and causes a wrinkle, like between your eyebrows. Those muscles contract and you get that little crease between your eyebrows. So we want to soften those muscles and relax those muscles. So we're really training your body with the acupuncture. And one of my teachers says, you know, it's like taking your face to the gym. You can't just go once. <laughs> and then you're buff and toned all of a sudden. You need to go for a series regularly, but then it will look good for a long time after that, mm-hmm. and it improves your health of your face and your muscles and your skin as well as what we're doing inside the body. So I feel like that's the main difference. It's, it's natural, and it actually improves the health instead of just masking something. And the same thing with other really abrasive skin therapies like microdermabrasion or chemical peels. They work well, but they're actually taking off layers of your epidermis. And if you do them a lot over time, it really thins the skin. And I've seen people who have gotten a lot of peels and their skin really is kind of paper thin. So it kind of ages you before your time in the long run. In the long run, yeah. Anything that thins your skin really isn't good. Whereas things like the acupuncture and the microneedle derma rollers, they don't take off anything off the epidermis or, or really damage the skin in that way. They stimulate your body to produce thicker layers of collagen. And in terms of aging, if the skin looks plumper and is well moistened, it looks younger. What about, in addition to wrinkles... What about other issues with the skin, say aging spots, blemishes of different sorts? I'm thinking particularly like the aging spots, the sunspots and that kind of thing. Have you got any, have you got anything for, with Chinese medicine that can help those people? Yeah. I mean, age spots, depending on the color of it, it can relate to different organs in Chinese medicine theory, but a lot of it is stagnation. And yes, it comes from sun damage a lot of the time. But it's um, your body has lost the ability to fight off the normal damage from the sun. So you can improve the circulation and break down the pigment areas with the needles, but also internally with herbs, you can improve the circulation. Often dark spots uh, are considered blood stagnation in Chinese medicine in general. So that's something we can usually treat from the inside and outside um, using certain lengths of needles or microderma rollers will actually break up the pigmentation. And it, it does work pretty well. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, if you stick with it, it they will fade and, and sort of break up and you can see the pictures before and after. And it's, it's pretty significant. So it's a nice thing for people to use for that kind of sun damage. And then you just need to, you know, protect your skin after that. Mm-hmm. So the, the microderma roller can really help with this kind of thing. Yeah, the slightly longer ones we use for hyperpigmentation, which is any kind of a dark spot. So you really got to, you got to, you kind of got to get in there and dig a little bit. Yeah, it's still pretty gentle. I mean, it's just the slightly longer ones versus the ones you use at home. And if it's uncomfortable for a patient, you can, you know, use a little desensitizing cream beforehand and then do that once every two or three weeks to break up the hyperpigmentation and then give the body time to heal between doing it every two or three weeks. Right. So it's a process, but it not much else works 
since they really don't want to use the quinone anymore for the dark spots and the age spots, it's a really good way to treat it. And you were saying the internal herbs as well. It can help with the blood circulation out there toward the outer aspects of the skin. Yes, definitely. The herbs will help a lot with that and prevent getting more age spots as well if your blood is moving smoothly and can bring, you know, the blood is what carries all our immune cells and nutrients to everywhere in the body, including the skin. So you really have to have good blood circulation if you want to stay healthy. Sure. And that's even basic Western medicine. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. People say take take a baby, you know, half a baby aspirin, right? Why? Because they're looking to improve blood circulation. Yeah. It's something that both types of medicine definitely agree on, that it's important for health. And you'll see that in people. You know, if I see patients as they age, they get all those broken spider veins down near the ankles, and those are signs of blood stasis and aging. I mean, one of the biggest ideas in Chinese medicine about what causes these sort of symptoms of aging is because we get blood stagnation over time for various reasons, and you, you want to do whatever you can to keep the blood circulation good so that you stay as healthy as long as you can while you age. Right. Hey, here's a, a this may be too technical of a question. But I'm going to ask it anyway, okay? I'm thinking as a Chinese herbalist, and I know that there's a particular herb. We call it guizhi, which is basically cinnamon twig. And it tends to open up very outside surface of the body, and it kind of moves things a bit. Do you find that this herb, most likely in combination with other herbs, is helpful for improving the blood circulation out at the surface of the body? Yeah, that cinnamon twig is something that, I use pretty often in formulas that, you know, we want to work on the blood circulation. Um, there are herbs that are more for helping masses of blood circulation that form like uterine fibroids or things like that internal. But I do use Grager if I'm thinking something more peripheral, like peripheral neuropathy or nerve pain, poor circulation in diabetes, and then also things on the skin that show broken capillaries or blood vessels, you know, rosacea, those kind of things, that you can use Grager as one of the herbs that helps with that. It's a pretty safe and common herb to use. I mean, you can get it at the grocery store, for goodness sakes. <laughs> yeah. Are, are yeah, there any yeah. contraindications? You know, our listeners might be thinking, ooh, cinnamon, great. I'm going to, you know, use that and help my skin. Are there any contraindications for cinnamon twig? that you would want our listeners to know about? Well, we never really use it by itself. Chinese herbs are always done in formulas, pretty much. And it's because, you know, one thing might have too strong effect by itself. You want something that will moderate the effects of the other herbs and things work together synergistically to have better effects when you use certain herbs together. So... It's really rare that we would try to say, oh, just take this one herb and that's going to fix everything. It, it just doesn't work as well that way. I was going to say it's really best to go see an herbalist who has some experience with this kind of thing. Yes, definitely. But also cinnamon is a tricky one because um, there is true cinnamon and false cinnamon and 
then, you know, Cassia and it gets a little tricky if you don't know what you're doing, how to buy the right kind of cinnamon. So it's better to make sure you're getting the type of cinnamon that you need, even if you were going to take it by itself. It makes a big difference. It's some herbs are easy and some herbs are tricky because they're similar similar species or it's called the same thing, but it's not really the same right. Ceylon cinnamon versus Cassia cinnamon. So that's one I wouldn't get on your own. Hope you're enjoying the show. I'd love to know about what topics are of interest to you. If you have a health concern, or if you want to know specifics about how acupuncture can help to promote vibrant well-being, visit the website at www.everydayacupuncturepodcast.com and send an email. Do you send people home very often with these micro abrasion rollers? Do you have like a little protocol that you have people do? Uh, patients who want to do it, if they're willing to do it at home, then uh, they, you know, it's legal for them to buy it and use it at home. And then I just train them how to use it properly. There's certain ways to do it. And there are videos online that show people how to do it. But some of them don't actually have the best techniques. Because if you roll up and down without lifting it, you're in the same holes. And you kind of stretch those little holes out when you run up and down six times in the same hole without moving it. So I have people roll it up and then lift it off the face and then go back down in the same place, but you won't be in exactly the same holes and then move down and then lift it and move up. So there's little subtle things like that that actually make a difference to doing it properly that I would train people how to use it and then how to clean it and and sterilize it properly between uses so that it stays clean and you can reuse it and keep it in the case. And um, and you can only use it for a certain amount of time. And after a while, depending on how often you do it, you know, three months, the needles are going to get dull. And at some point, yes, you're using alcohol spray on it after you wash it, but it's not going to be as clean. So it, it's important to know how to use it right so that you get good results and you don't have any risks of infection or side effects. So it's just something to learn the right way to do it, and then it's safe. Sounds like you need to do a YouTube video. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it might save you some time in the office. Here, go watch this video. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But, you know, that's that's what you kind of get working with someone is a lot of personal attention and, and hands-on and, and instruction. And then if people have questions, they can ask me on the spot. So that's what you get when you work with someone directly. You know, it, it's really true. When you, when you go to see someone who has experience and they've put in their time learning it, there's all kinds of little things. You know, like you were just mentioning, you use the derma abrasion roller and you make sure you pick it up so it, it comes down in a different spot. There's all kinds of little things you pick up as a practitioner over the years of practice that that you can impart to your patients because you've got the experience. Yeah, and, and things that, um, not just the acupuncture and the herbs, but I also work with patients a lot on food intake because 
part of Chinese medicine is the lungs and the skin are but also related to the large intestine. So the something we know even in Western medicine that your gut flora and the foods that you eat really affect your immune system and your skin. So it's important if they know what foods to help certain skin conditions and then what foods to avoid for certain skin conditions. So that makes a big difference too. And that's actually really customized for each person because we don't just give, this is the one diet everyone should use because everyone has their different underlying issues and what the issues are on their face as well. So some people, you know, might have them eat more meat and some people really need to eat less meat and some people, you know, everyone needs to eat more colorful vegetables and fruits. But, um, and then sugar diet wise is one of the biggest things for aging just because it, there's actually, um, molecular process that happens with sugar where sugar attaches to proteins and that's called glycation and that causes the protein fibers like the collagen and elastin to become actually malformed and stiff and less flexible and you want the elastin to give that springiness to your skin you want the collagen to form this matrix that keeps your skin plump it's sort of like a interwoven matrix in the skin that makes it look good and keeps the wrinkles from forming but you know they found out through a lot of diabetes research that that's what happens and this sugar will glom onto the proteins and make them weird shaped and stiff and that happens in your skin too and it makes your skin look saggy and wrinkled So it's something that, you know, you tell patients directly, like, yeah, you might want to eat a piece of cake every day, but (laughs) it's going to make your skin look wrinkled and saggy over time. And sometimes that motivates people more than other health concerns. Oh, I can imagine it would. Yeah, I can imagine it would. So you, you bring up a really good point here, that there's no one diet that's going to help everybody. This is, this is one of the aspects of Chinese medicine that I just absolutely love, that there is not a one-size-fits-all. There's not a magic bullet. There's not a certain diet. There's not one thing that will help everybody. We're all different. We're uniquely put together. And so we have unique strengths and unique weaknesses. And so whatever treatment or whatever diet is prescribed will be different for everybody. That being said, you just mentioned that sugar across the board is not going to be helpful for anybody. I'm wondering if there's anything that across the board, for example, bone broth, that might be useful for, you know, at least let's say a larger amount of people. Yeah, definitely. Given our sort of modern lifestyle, anything really nourishing like bone marrow broth is going to help everyone. And um, because it nourishes the the most basic aspect of our health, it's that, you know, the the actual bone marrow where everything, our red blood cells form in the bone marrow, that, you know, so much of our general health is rooted in that basic bones and kidneys and teeth and hair that it would be useful for everyone to do something like that. And then it's useful for everyone to avoid certain things like sugar and too much alcohol because it's just dehydrating to the body and it adds heat to the body. So too much is going to make anyone look bad. And then people who already have 
redness and dry skin and broken capillaries, then I particularly ask them to cut down the alcohol or completely cut it out if they can. And that will help their skin a lot. So it's something that, yeah, certain things is good general advice for everyone, but people with specific conditions have to pay attention to certain things more than other people. And everyone has their own particular things based on their underlying conditions that it's more important to avoid some things than others. I mean, you don't have to avoid everything (laughs) that's considered a vice, but some things for certain people is going to be more important to help them with their health and your appearance, if that's what you're concerned about, too. Sure. And there's always that that choice that people make. Am I willing to do X to get Y? You know, and for some folks, the answer is yes. And for some folks, I mean, I've got some people, yeah, they've got a fair amount of inflammation. They got achy joints. They know if they eat um, wheat products, for example, because they have sensitivity to it. They know if they eat wheat products, they're going to have a few days of suffering. But on occasion, a piece of bread comes by that, you know, they just love it to pieces. It smells so good. They make the choice to eat it. They know they're making the choice to eat it. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to love it. And then the next couple of days, I'm going to be creaky. But, you know, I'm willing to pay the price. And they do it with awareness. Yeah. It's one thing if you're aware of it and you know the consequences. You see that relationship. And then you decide to do it once in a while if it's a special occasion. And, you know, but then you know that for the most part, avoiding it most of the time is going to make you feel a whole lot better. So that's the best case scenario is if someone's willing to do that versus people who they don't even realize that eating certain things is really affecting their health and they don't even know that they're going to feel a lot better if they avoid it. So that is something we can kind of help people with the knowledge about it. But then it's still up to them to make the decisions because I'm not there every time they put something in their mouth saying, hmm, remember, this is going to make you feel like this tomorrow. You know, so that's something they have to take in themselves and, and use their inner wisdom to make the right decisions at the right times. Yeah, it takes some time to get that inner wisdom, doesn't it? <laughs> For all of us, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I- I'm curious, you know, with Botox or surgery, that kind of thing, people know instantly that you've done something to uh, make your appearance different. It takes a bit more time with the kind of work that you do. I've got two questions. One is roughly how much time and, and number of treatments does somebody need before results start to show up? And the second thing is what do their friends or family say to them about it? Because I suspect it's a slower change over time. They're probably not going to say something like, oh, you had your face done. So I'm curious to know what people are actually saying when they notice or just kind of intuit something's a little bit different, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, that's in general what most other people start to notice that, you know, I'll have patients and they, a lot of times they don't tell everyone what they're doing. Like, oh, great, I'm getting acupuncture facial series. They're not telling everyone. And it's a test in, in our treatment as well is when do other people start to notice? So... I found it's pretty standard. Most of my teachers and I have found through my own experience that 
you can see results instantly the first session. People's faces will look a little softer, the wrinkles look a little softer, the face glows more, but it's not going to last forever because when you move and make your same expressions, the wrinkles are coming back. So it's, you know, taking your face to the gym with the acupuncture each time. Every time we do it, it has an additive effect and it's going to last a little longer. On, and eventually it'll last a really long time. So most of the time we have people say 10 treatments in a series and they have to be a certain amount of time apart, not too far apart or it's going to regress between treatments. We want it to really add it. So some people have patients come twice a week for five weeks or once a week for 10 weeks. Uh, but usually you don't want to go two weeks or longer because you lose ground instead of adding. And so really things are more noticeable to the patient after the third treatment. Like, yeah, this is starting to hold. And then most other people start making comments to them about treatment seven or eight. And then after 10 treatments for most people, it will hold for a while, like a year. Um, The younger someone is when they start it, the fewer treatments they need to have it last. So if I have someone who comes to me already in their 80s, and with a lot of sagging and a lot of wrinkles, and we're realistic about it, and they may need to do 12 or 13 treatments and have a follow-up, you know, once a month or once a quarter. But most of the time what people find other people say to them is is that sort of, they can't tell what's done, but they know that the person just looks better. They'll ask someone if they've been on vacation or, can you seem happier? Or they just notice something is more radiant and softer about the person's appearance without being able to tell what it is, which is the appeal for a lot of patients is I don't want to go get something really obvious. And I think in America, especially we used to like those real tight facelifts and, and now we're sort of going more towards the European model of aging where you want to look like yourself still, but you know, yourself five or 10 years ago and you don't want to look like your daughter's age because the rest of your body and your neck will give it away, but that you want to look better and be healthier using natural methods. And so that's what's interesting about how people are starting to see aging gracefully now instead of the real obvious methods where, yes, you've been out of work for three weeks and you come back with a really tight face or you can't move your forehead and, geez, everyone knows what you had done, which... You may or may not care about, but it's a very different process. What uh, you mentioned some follow-ups, especially if people start the process a little bit later, and you know, in their years. Generally speaking, after a course of ten treatments, would you have people come in on a somewhat regular basis to uh, just kind of keep things going? Uh, if they want to. It's nice maybe do 10 treatments and you could do one or two follow-ups a month apart. And then you should be good for a while. You don't, it's not like, oh, you have to come in every week and every month forever. It'll last for a while, maybe a year or two years. And then people will come back and do another series and they'll be good for another period of time. And then a lot of what happens in between will be whether they follow the recommendations for you know, the diet, the exercise, you know, taking herbs when they need it, uh, getting enough sleep, all those things in between will determine how soon they want to come back for another series. Mm -hmm. Can this be done 
I'm going to say kind of as an add-on if you're doing other kinds of treatments. So for example, let's say someone has allergies and they want to get their allergies treated. Can you do the facial work at the same time? Or let's say somebody has issues with their sleep and they're coming in because they want their insomnia to go away or they've got hot flashes and they want that to stop. Can these treatments be done simultaneously with the, the other complaints that people have? Yeah, definitely. Since we're always trying to treat someone's internal health to help the appearance and we're doing the body acupuncture point, then we definitely will treat sleep or whatever other issues they have with allergies and um, hormonal issues, etc., and treat at the same time. And then if they want to do the facial treatment, then it takes more time to put in all the face needles. So it would cost a little more and take a little more time to do that part of it. But when you come in, you know, for the facial rejuvenation acupuncture, you're still getting an underlying body treatment. So you definitely treat everything at the same time. And that, not given there are certain conditions where I might want to treat someone first for maybe migraines because getting a lot of needles in your face or head might not be the best for migraines unless you're trying to treat the migraines specifically. Just that much energy and stuff going on in your head could cause headaches. So I might have someone come in and do some regular acupuncture treatments, get their migraines under control, and then we could do some facial treatments. So there's just certain conditions where you need to talk to someone first and see if they're sort of eligible to do the facial acupuncture and that it's appropriate. Um, maybe someone's on blood thinner medications, or if someone's pregnant, we generally don't want to do it. But otherwise, you know, it's pretty safe to do for everyone else. Mm -hmm. I've got a question. I'm curious. There's, there's so many blood vessels in the face and the, and the skin is more delicate. Are there any problems with bleeding or bruising from these kinds of treatments? It is possible. And what surprises me, though, is that it doesn't happen that often because you know that there are lots of blood vessels on the face. But the bleeding and bruising happens really rarely. So maybe over the course of the whole treatment series, someone might get a small bruise once. And considering I'm putting in a lot of needles in the face, that's actually pretty amazing. But if you're careful about it, you know, you can, you have to do it under pretty bright light and then you can dim the lights for patients to relax. But I use a pretty bright light and I'm looking at the face very carefully to avoid any visible broken capillaries or blood vessels that I can see under the skin. And then sometimes you just can't see them. So that'll, it might bleed a little, but it's really a, a pin dot of blood, not even a full drop. And then you press on it afterward with a Q-tip and, and then it closes up and it's done because the needles are so fine that the hole it creates is really tiny. A tiny bit of blood might come out and then it just closes back up on itself and it's done. In general, acupuncture needles are extremely thin. Are the needles for facial acupuncture different than regular acupuncture needles? I mean, you did mention that one really tiny inner dermal needle, but are there others that you use in addition to that? Yeah, I, I would, if I use any needles with handles to work in some of the muscles or in the neck or jawline, um, I basically just use the thinnest needles and maybe um, the very small gauge thinnest ones that, um, I guess, red 
Terrence, if people know about that, if you're an acupuncturist listening. So you just try to use the thinnest ones that you can to avoid any bleeding or bruising and to be more comfortable for the patient. Yeah, when you say a bunch of needles... What's a bunch of needles? I'm thinking. I'm thinking the images that we've seen, you know, of Hellraiser and all that, and you know, it's it, it's a common misconception that people have that you're going to look like you ran into a porcupine. So, <laughs> what actually is a bunch of needles? Yeah, that is always a question people have, but it's surprising that it's you know, it's some days even when I use the intradermals in the face, it's not as many as people might think. You know, some Sometimes if you're not using those in the wrinkles themselves, you might have four needles on each side of the face to treat the muscles of expression. If you want to help the jaw and the sagging cheeks and the crease in the forehead, then you, you, know, you have a few needles in the face. And then maybe you have one or two in each crease, you know, a, few, a two or, or three in the longest wrinkles on the face. And... That might add up to 10 on each side of the face for all the wrinkle areas. So, yeah, it's, it's not quite as many as people think. Right. Not, li- not like the images you would see on the Internet. <laughs> no, no. Not even. Uh, again, I want to come back to this muscles of expression. The, these are larger muscle groups, I suspect. Yeah. Um, do you face. give people exercises they can do or is there like self-massage or other things that they can do at home that can help with these muscles to tighten them up? Yeah, there's actually, I learned from one of my teachers, a little acupressure facelift and you can have train patients how to do that with the fingers on the face and you know, you move around the different areas of the face. So you go into the acupuncture, acupressure point, around the eyes and then maybe on the cheeks to firm the cheeks and then through the channels that go near the nose and mouth and then up the jawline. So you can definitely have people do that. How long does that process take? If you do the full routine first with a few body points and all the face points, it could take almost 20 minutes and you could do it every night and people see pretty good results from that. And it's, it's something they can do between the facial treatments or after they've gotten a facial series, they can keep it up by doing the acupressure face routine every night. And this is something that you teach to your patients? Yeah, yeah, I teach to my patients. Cool. Have you got a, have you got a handout or something like that that you give them? Yes, yeah, I, I give them a handout just because you can't remember it all at first, but then I show them how to do it because you can read a description about how to find where the acupuncture points are, but it's not the same as having one someone show you and then make sure you're doing it in the right place and how to find it exactly. Yeah, it's always good to know where the points are. Yeah, and some people, you know, I, I'm a more kinesthetic learner myself, so if, if I try to learn how to do something physical by reading about it, it's just not going to do it for me. So it's, I find it's nice to have give people both options is teach them how to do something, but then you have your cheat sheet to do at home in case you didn't remember it all. But you've at least done it once and had someone show you the right way. And then if they have questions next session, they can come in and ask, like, was I finding this in the right place? Or I'm not sure about that. So yeah, it definitely helps. Is this something that you'd be willing to share with our listeners? 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be a little hard to do it with no visuals. But I mean the handout. Oh, the handout. Um, yeah, it's possible I could, yeah. All right. Well, if, if you decide you'd like to do that, we'll put it on the show notes page. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like something... Okay, let me ask you this question. I deal a lot with allergies here in the St. Louis area. And, of course, there's a bunch of points on the face that help with that. So I'm curious to know if you found when people are working with these points uh, to help just strengthen their face muscles in general and improve the circulation in the face, do they also sometimes see changes in their allergy symptoms? Yeah, definitely. And that's the beauty of acupuncture is, you know, needling a point isn't always for just one function. You're affecting everything in that area and on that channel that you're needling. So, and sometimes we choose to do that in treatments because I know someone has allergies and they want the facial acupuncture. So we pick certain points, whether it's the point on the hand or the points in the face that we choose to use for both purposes because we know it's going to affect things in yeah. their own ways, but still work on both things. So people do notice that, you know, some people notice their eyesight actually improves when we're needling the points around the eyes or they're doing the acupressure on the points around the eyes. And other people notice, you know, their nasal or allergy conditions start to improve. So those are side bonuses, or you're trying to treat both things at the same time. So it's great for that. Yeah. It, you know, it's always interesting when we treat, I'm going to put this in quotes, one thing, and then other things in a person's life just begin to change all by themselves. <laughs> yeah. That's the beauty of our way of working is, you know, someone might come in for back pain, but then they tell me, you know, I'm sleeping better and I'm more regular, and I'm not as stressed out. And so sometimes that ends up being just as important for them without being the reason they initially came in, as long as you're treating the thing they came in for. They're happy, and then they have the side, the side benefits as well. So it's what we do. We want to treat the whole person, and that's what we mean by it, is if you're working on someone, all these other things are going to improve at the same time instead of just taking a pain med to mask a pain symptom yeah. and not actually improving anything else in the house. Carl, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap this down or wrap it up? Wrap it down, wrap it up. Do you cut a tree down or do you cut it up? <laughs> Great question. I think you cut it down, then you cut it up. Anyway, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? One tip that's really nice to prevent wrinkles that people don't realize is um, when you sleep on your side and you mush your face into the pillow. Which I love to do. Yes. And you get more wrinkles on one side of your face. And I can usually look at someone and tell, you sleep on your right side, don't you? Because you'll see more wrinkles um, usually near the eyebrows and the near the mouth that are on one side but not on the other side. So one thing you can do if you just can't stay on your back to sleep at night, um, use a satin pillowcase. And it's been a tip for, you know, a long time. 
but people just don't know about it. And you have to use real silk satin, not polyester, because then your face just glides over it, unlike the cotton sheets, and it helps to prevent wrinkle formation. So even simple tips like that can help things a lot. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I enjoyed chatting with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Acupuncture. If so, please take a moment, click on the iTunes review button, and leave a review of the show. And be sure to tune in again next week. Thank you.